From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 514. Today's show is brought to you by the Candelaria Pen Company and Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the first and last word in Lego Bricks, Mr. Brad Dowdy. <laughs> Maybe the last word? Last uh, the last, word last word ever in ever. Lego Bricks. <laughs> we had an eventful build this year, oh, Mike. It and was we terrible. did everything possible to preserve our sanity going into this, and yep. we failed miserably. Yep. How did we fail so bad? Uh, this, this, we underestimated the complexity of the Lego set that we were building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why small, happened. small does not equal easy. In no, Lego. so we built the architecture sets for years, right? I've been thinking mm-hmm. about this, Brad. Like, why was this so hard? The mm-hmm. architecture sets there aren't complicated pieces you're mostly just building right. like squares in different ways you know what i mean like our historical toughest piece was the washing machine and yeah. how it orients but it was more like the way the pieces went together so like in this mm-hmm. build so we for relay fm members you can sign up at relay.fm membership you get tons of fantastic benefits access to the discord tons of bonus content going back multiple years now i think five years of bonus content you get uh, as well as like monthly stuff that we do bonus for, for our members we have like back it's called backstage is one of our shows where we kind of talk about what's going on at relay fm you can hear me and steven talk about what it's like to run this company um, we have fusion where it's a crossover show between multiple hosts of different shows that steven hosts every month as well tons of great stuff including the annual special episodes ours again this this year we built a lego set together and we chose a, a model of a formula one car now, here's what I was thinking about, Brad. <laughs> the form and shape of the build, I think, was the problem. Because yes. there were things that we were building that were just, like, visually complex and fiddly. Yes. And that was the issue. Basically, the main yep. problem... It was complicated the whole way through. The main problem is a piece got added somewhere where it shouldn't have. It is unclear, as we stand at this time... Mm-hmm. whose fault that was, whether mm-hmm. Brad gave me a poor direction or whether I just picked it up and just randomly put it down. I mm-hmm. would say at this point, 50-50 on that. Like, yeah. Could have been either of us. No one could tell. Definitely. Uh, someone could tell, but nobody has told so far. Um, <laughs> we have at least to one build completed. Can, you know, actually, points to the person who can work out the answer to this for us. Yeah, yeah. Right? There will be points awarded to you. Because we've already had one completion of uh-huh. the set through through the podcast, and they they sent us a picture of the piece that that we lost during our build or misplaced. Um, as a uh, uh, here you go, and but they didn't have any statement on how this came to be. Like, well, Brad missed this plate, this piece. He put it in the wrong place, or it just Mike magically attached it to something else that it shouldn't have attached to. We don't know because we are definitely not going back to mm-hmm. listen to this because we almost killed each other <laughs> on yeah, this so episode. As you can tell, the fact that we are here making this show, mine and Brad's mm-hmm. relationship is as good as it ever has ever been. <sighs> yeah. This was the biggest test of our friendship. <laughs> there was a little bit of name calling on both sides. <laughs> we were, this. We were both is... agitated and we are yeah. two people that don't get agitated very easily and we yep. were agitated at each other. <laughs> and I was on the clock. I thought this would be easy and I booked in a dinner. Which that I didn't know. Because I didn't think we were going to take three hours to do this, right? So I didn't even feel like it was necessary. So Mike sent me a picture afterwards, like, here's my dinner. Yep. And it's like, like, thanks, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that you made me late for, Brad. No, you didn't make me late. <laughs> well, I was just late. 
We made me late, you know. <laughs> At the moment, it's 50-50 because yeah. we lost about 20 minutes trying to find this piece. Easily. Um, and so I would have made it just yeah. on time. Yeah, I was wondering just how much you edited out of that part because it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> there were regrets, Mike. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, this is us um, talking about the, the, the tensions of this. And um, we, we had fun. We, uh, we made up and made it through and uh, got, it, got it taken care of. But, uh, yeah, gosh, it, uh, we failed in our own task of trying to make it easy on ourselves. Um, so who knows what this will hold next year. I don't know if we're going to do another Lego. As I sit, as I sit here right now, I'm not sure if I can if I will if we can do it. We might it, do something we, new. It might be time for something new anyway, you know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's just that we thought we were setting us, ourselves up for something that just mm-hmm. is not possible anymore. It's it was it's it's a complicated thing and uh it's fun and it might be time to move on. So, uh we're we're taking uh, applications for a future uh Pen Addict membership topics. So, all right, Mike, let's, um, that was fun. We're going to talk about a lot of fun things the rest of this episode, but I want to talk after about one. After this next thing. Yeah, after this, <laughs> I want to talk about one non-fun thing that uh-huh. uh, you would be just as happy if we didn't have to discuss. I feel that I don't want to discuss it, but I feel we need to discuss it a little bit. And that is, of course, the New oh, Year's issue. Because I, mm. I know what you're saying, but I don't want to yeah. get my get, get confusion just to my f- I wished that we didn't have to talk about these things yes. because they were things that didn't happen. Not that yeah. like I wished that we just wouldn't talk about this thing that Correct. has happened. Does that make sense? These are these are important these things are to discuss. Absolutely ridiculous things that still seem to occur, but yet yes. we find ourselves back in these situations again while we're talking about them. Yep, agree. Thank you for that clarification. That is accurate. So, um, as you can tell, number one, this is going to be about the Noodlers issues from last week. And number two, as you can tell, I wrote down zero notes because I <laughs> I just want to talk about this and, and, and see what happens. So, Noodlers did a thing again last week, really right when we were starting to record last week's episode, podcast episode, this all this Noodler stuff came out. And I think the best way to start this conversation off is to tell you how I found out about it. Before the podcast, I got an Instagram message said, hey, did you see this thing from Noodlers? And, you know, there's kind of a, a hubbub about it. And I went and looked like real quick as you do in Instagram messages. And I said, yeah, we talked about this a few months ago. Um, nothing new. <laughs> and we recorded our show. And then I looked at it afterwards and I was like, oh, this is actually not the thing that I talked about. Like, on, I think I talked about it on stream when it happened earlier this year, a certain um, product label that the the Noodlers, Noodly Man decided to to make. Um, you know, caused a bit of a stir. And I thought this was that issue from a few months ago. Turns out, Noodly Man did it again. Um, Noodly Man's a bigot. I'm just going to call it as it is. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he's some kind of edgelord putting these, what he deems as funny ha-ha labels out there that are actually grotesque harmful it was an anti-semitic image uh yes that was as part of like a collage one of the collage kind of Mm -hmm. labels that uh yeah the what's the what's the guy's name uh noodly guy yeah nathan tardiff that's it 
Um, yeah. That's like that's the guy Nathan who runs Noodles Inc. Yeah, seems to you know it's like this culture now. Like you see it, like it comes from mm-hmm. Elon Musk, honestly. Like yeah, it's like this this like oh I'm just post saying funny things. And right. here's the thing, like you know, free speech, right? You can do that if you want to, yeah, but you absolutely. can't then expect everybody's going to go along with you. And right. that seems to ultimately have been what happened here. Right. So this was a new label on a new product he released. It's extremely clearly anti-Semitic tropes. And the biggest thing that I will repeat several times during this conversation, it is not new. Yeah, this see, is this not is a the new thing that, experience that, me, that we were talking about. So I'll say, I honestly do not remember this the first time. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever spoke about this on the show, Brad, because I have we zero didn't. memory. I thought of about it. it. I talked about it on stream. Okay. And so, like, apparently there had been something in the past where an image, mm-hmm. there was like connotations of anti Semitism in the image mm-hmm. that he used. Mm-hmm. And he claimed to be unaware of this. Mm-hmm. And I, as a person who makes things online, mm-hmm. I find myself in these situations where I say something that I don't know the connotations of that thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then when people tell you, you apologize, you learn, mm-hmm. and you don't do it again, right? Right? Like that's, and like it's not that you never make mistakes again, right? Right. Because right. I make mistakes all the time. But Correct. I like to feel like I don't make the same mistake multiple <laughs> times. And if you seem to have, like, by your omission, stumbled upon an anti-Semitic image and chose to use that on your product label, you mm-hmm. should be more smart about the images mm-hmm. that you don't know the connotations to later on, right? Right, right. So. And uh, Noodle Guy is is not that smart. He is He knows exactly what he's doing. He is choosing these images purposefully, and he is showing his his just completely wild mindset that is fueled by hate mm-hmm. and fueled by disrespect. And I I guarantee knowing these types of people, like he thinks this is fun and funny. But guess what, Mike? This time it really hurt his business. So we get the business PR apology, which I don't believe a word of um this has been the most impactful pushback on noodlers in like probably the past decade he's been doing this type of stuff for this long right this is not new but the the challenge that we have as a community is there's always new people coming into the fountain pen community right like noodlers is has been on my no shop list for i can't tell you how long five six seven eight ten years maybe because i just don't like the guy he he's just not a good person he's not someone i want to associate myself with he's not someone whose products i want to support because his belief system is so flawed and just shows a complete lack of empathy and awareness to humanity like he is just one of those types of people so i don't support him um and that's been going on for years but there's new people that are just that have kind of neutral noodlers has always been kind of like this gateway product um especially with inks um they have a big um a big footprint in our industry if you will on the ink side of things and a lot of people are familiar with the brand and they find something they like and they want it, people as a habit continue to want to buy the things that they like. Um, this time it, it impacted the bottom line in a big way. Um, pretty clearly there were, you know, apologies, 
air quote. Um, like we're not going to link to any of this stuff. Y'all can go find it on Instagram. I, I implore no one to read the comments, <laughs> never read the comments. Um, but it's just, it's just a mess. So given all that and given, you know, my opinion of the noodle guy, I think the conversation needs to be focused now on how do us as consumers continue to, you know, shop, support businesses that carry products that we disagree with and, and things of that nature. And from my perspective, what I want personally doesn't really match up with the reality of the situation. What I want after Wednesday is for noodlers to no one to like every vendor to, and retailer to stop carrying the brand. Right. By I already large, don't, they have, right. It depends. So we're going to, we're there's some nuance there. So okay. like what I want is honestly, like I understand that that's also not realistic. Like I'm not going to completely bag on any retailer for continuing to carry noodlers for the time being because there's a lot more that goes into that right into that decision then hey my customer you know may no longer support this brand may no longer buy this brand but like these retailers have inventory most of these retailers are smaller businesses these smaller businesses have payrolls to meet and they can't just, you know, throw the ink in the trash. Like my no, that's two bottles issue. of noodlers doesn't issue. impact me. It impacts real businesses with real bottom lines and real responsibilities to themselves and to their employees. So yep. I'm not going to really like get into each individual retailer's decision. But the way I see it as a business person myself, I also have a moral code, right? And it's easier for me because I'm a single employee to apply my morals to a very clean black and white decision, right? Like, I don't like Noodle Guy. He is a bigot. Therefore, I will not support him. A retailer that's carried this brand for a decade has a different set of uh, questions that they're having to ask themselves. Mm -hmm. How do I continue? Do I continue to support this person? Do I continue to allow these products to be sold? How does my choice to carry this brand affect my relationship with the distribute the upline distributor, right? And this could go for any brand, right? I'm not singling out like noodlers or any particular retailer or any particular distributor, right? It's not a singular decision like me, Brad, can make that, you know, vendor X has to make against uh, the the choice of, you know, either stopping and carrying the products, continuing to carry the products until they sell them through making any kind of statements on the products, uh, things like that. My only question for retailers is, is it worth it in the end to continue to carry the brand? And the first one is, well, the first reply to that is, well, they must make them a lot of money if they continue to carry the brand. Um, aside the fact that I wouldn't be making decisions based on money. I'd make, I'd prefer decisions to be made around morals. How much money can they really be making? If Noodlers is the number one ink seller for the biggest retailer in the world, what is that percentage of sales? Do you think? Like, I mean, I, how many like, inks do they carry? Would you say right, how many brands? If they're the, if they're the biggest 
pen retailer in the world, they carry a lot of brands. And if Noodlers is the number one ink brand of all the brands that they carry, to the bottom line, how much is Noodlers? I my argument, and I I mentioned this to you. My argument that it, it is not more than one percent, right? It just defies logic that it's more than one percent. Because I would 2%. assume from all the things that could contribute towards a large part of a, of a brand's bottom line in the pen mm-hmm. world, ink isn't it, right? Right. Ink is cheap, much cheaper than right. than other products, especially for right. higher end distributors. Right. So well, I mean, but I this compromise- is the thing. But what if it isn't though, right? Like I know what you're saying here, but mm-hmm. like I don't know what the wholesale price is like on ink. For all I know, it's the mm-hmm. largest profit margin. That, uh, that even if it's has. even if it's a huge profit margin, just you mentioned just a second ago, the the scale of a, a low dollar amount. Even if you're making a hundred percent on a bottle, like say you buy it for eight dollars and you sell it for sixteen dollars, and you're making a hundred percent. That 100% still, I would argue, accounts for a very fractional percentage of any business's total bottom line. Yeah. So where does the moral decision come in? If I could add some context to this a little bit Mm -hmm. from my perspective, Mm -hmm. this is kind of the price of doing business today. Yes. Like, you know, we have had sponsors that have done things that aren't great. Mm-hmm. but we stand by them for whatever reason because we think mm-hmm. it's like okay or whatever or we accept the, their ex, their explanation for it or whatever as long as we feel like it you know there's this is all taken care of right we've we've worked with companies that some of our listeners don't like their product but some do mm-hmm. right so you get mm-hmm. com- you know, like oh i don't like this kind of thing why do you do that like for sure. example one of the ones that like we work with capital 1 on some of mm-hmm. our shows mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's about their kind of technology kind of like a recruitment kind of message but some people just some people just don't like that credit cards exist in the world right but sure, like sure, for sure. that for me is like that that doesn't pass my test but then we have companies that they do something bad or like they go in a direction which is really uncertain and mm-hmm. we've had to cancel big deals right mm-hmm. sure or turn down like large renewals like mm-hmm. because if we were to continue it would sour the taste of listeners to us yeah. this is the cost of doing business in today's world where like mm-hmm. consumers have choice but consumers are also very vocal mm-hmm. and you have to understand that like people like principle is now like people's principles is now like a much stronger thing than ever before Mm -hmm. in the things that they choose to support Mm -hmm. and so you kind of have to understand that if you're in a business where you are selling anything to anyone and like you are beholden to your customer more now i think than you have been before so if your customer says like i don't want you to stock this you should not do that you have to consider it. Like you have to consider it, and yeah, you might right. get have a loss, um, but that's just what it's like now. Like, and and I don't, you know, it's it's complicated when when things are being thrown at me. I can like get upset and be like, oh, why are people going to be this way? But also, I understand. Like, I understand why people are like that. It's good that people right. talk about the things that they don't want mm-hmm. because then you know as well, right? Like. Right. If people didn't tell us, they would just stop listening, and I wouldn't know why. But it's, it's right. this is a complicated thing to, to handle. 
yeah, as simple as I want the retail decision to be or the distributor's decision to be to say, hey, get rid of this fool. It's not that simple. And I I do understand that. And that's where some of the angst for me personally comes in to where I can make a very clean black and white decision. It's easy for you to sit there and say it, right? Because you've you've got nothing on the line. Right. So I just want people to understand that these, these retailers and distributors have bigger stakes that they think about than just you know, let's just fire this brand off into the sun. And Um, it is more complicated than what I'm talking about too, because we, you know, we can sell our spots to other sponsors if we work hard at it, but the stock issue is the problem, right? Yeah. That, you know, you've paid for this stock maybe, depending on what your deal is. Right. Uh, Right. If you're just sitting on that, I don't know what you do with it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes, like, I'm wondering, like, do you, is is it just a write-off? Like, how much are we talking about? Like, it, it's, in some cases, it's a lot. So, it's it's a bigger decision than um, my individual decisions. Mm. Like, my individual decision, you know, a long time ago was, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me, fool me twice, shame on you. Noodler's in, into, like, fool me a couple dozen times. Um, and there is, there is no redeeming value of this brand in my eyes. But that's that's a personal statement, a personal perspective that that I have from seeing this for a long time, seeing the people that Noodler Guy actively hurts, actively hurts my friends. And I, I will not stand for that. But my individual consumer decisions are a much different calculus than retail and distributor decisions. So, you know, I, I do preach patient patience with that a little bit um it's not easy uh situation for a lot of these companies to be put in um but it's you know again you know it's it's a moral stance from me personally this is my morals align a certain way and and that means like this company is pretty much does not exist to me so I hate seeing it continue to creep up and continue to affect other people and the the hate from Noodler Guy affecting my friends uh, mm. negatively. Um, it really impacts me on a personal level. Um, so yeah, I that's that's kind of my thoughts on this. You know, we could spend an hour like breaking down like the all the business decisions and 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 all of this, but that's my personal stance. If you have thoughts on that, feel free to email me hello at penanic.com. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I hate seeing a brand like this detract from what is generally one of the most amazing communities on the internet. And they are not one of us in, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, they are an outlier and, and a hate monger. And I, I'm just not going to stand for anything that Noodlers does. And, um, that's it. All right, you got a segue for this? No, let's just talk about the next thing. (laughs) Let's put on our shades, Mike. I just threw some shades. Let's put on our shades. How about some Kaveco sunglasses, Uh, Mike? I know know when I saw this, I looked at my calendar and said, hey, Brad, is it April 1st? (laughs) Is it April 1st? (laughs) is Michael? (laughs) Michael Gooperle, the man who who torches... Your fire blue fountain pens, well, Mike. The man who sits at his. Things, you, know what I'm <laughs> you have not clearly. You have not scroll gotten the images that I have of. Uh, oh, there it is. Last image in the thing. That's no, Michael Gooper. No, I Gooper-Lay. see it, but it's like, why just Michael? Mm, because mm. like he's not like it's not like Prince. 
you know <laughs> what is he gonna do michael g <laughs> yeah <not> kenny g <laughs> sure oh my gosh so kaveco is selling sunglasses uh 149 euro made or in collaboration with uh kaveco collector and ceo michael gubile see the world from michael's point of view with the limited sunglasses designed by the passionate Kaveco collector and CEO Michael Gooperle, you become part of the Kaveco family. The stylish and timeless design of the eyewear model ideally takes you through sunny days. I need some sunny days mm-hmm. uh, in, in my life after that previous segment. Um, so I'm just going to you know, abstain from like bl- putting on some, some glasses so I can continue to, to bathe in the, the glorious sunlight that I, I need. And if I did need sunglasses, Mike... They're not going to be Kaveco branded on both sides of my head. (laughs) Like I don't need pen company branded eyewear, Mm -hmm. especially premium eyewear, swag eyewear. You're going to throw me in a, in a a bag that, you know, we can uh, post on Instagram and joke about knock yourself out. 149 Euro fancy eyewear with Kaveco on it. Hard pass. These are soon. These are getting ready to be your um, your five year anniversary gift at Kaveco for for working because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> They're about to be gift with purchase. Um, this is this is a lot of self importance happening. <laughs> I get it. It's supposed to be fun. Do your thing. You know funny, what I mean? Like if yeah, that's what do you want to do, do your thing. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's all just very funny to me. Yeah, so I got that in my in my inbox uh, yesterday, I think, and I was like, "What is?" I I really I was like, April first? It's not April first, and this is a real product by Kaveco. Um, we're gonna talk about someone in a minute. Um, after our sponsor, who does do some really, um, special, uh, creative things that we're gonna have some thoughts on. Uh, multiple products. Um, but first, I'm gonna talk about a product that you and I have. A product that I love specifically, mm. um, and that's the Lavalani from our good friends at Canalea Penco. Canalea Penco makes stunningly beautiful pens that are inspired by images of Hawaii. Canalea's founders, wonderful people Hugh and Carol, believe that these locations can help recharge our spirit and help us connect with nature, and they actually bring that spirit, that uh, visual, to a beautiful product. That you can hold in your hands. The execution is really what sets Canalea pens apart from what you might find elsewhere. Every single Canalea pen is handmade in a process that means no two pens will ever look alike. And when you buy them, you know, they, they come to you perfectly tuned. Hugh smooths and tunes every single nib himself before it leaves Canalea's shop so that it's going to write beautifully straight out of their lovely black walnut walnut keepsake box. Canalea fountain pens feature Yoa number 6 nibs. You can buy steel or 18 karat gold nibs directly from Canalea. They offer uh, sizes from extra fine to 1.1 millimeter stub. Today, I want to remind you about the, as Brad mentioned, the new Leivalani collection from Canalea. This design represents the sky at night in Kauai with its deep, beautiful, dark blue with vibrant stars and a visible shimmer of the Milky Way. That's not just the image that they use. 
That's what the pen looks like. It really is incredible. The Levalani collection consists of the fountain pen offered in five styles. They have a ballpoint and also the return of the Mylele band, which is a wonderful option made of Argentium silver, adorning Canalea's classic fountain pen profile. Candelaya also now offer medallions and clips made from Argentium silver too, so you can add that little bit extra to this beautiful new pen. We got tons of great reports from Hugh and Carol about the energy of the Chicago Pen Show, but yeah. it was just that uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, um, and they were showing off the Levalani to people that were there. I, well, they actually told us that many Pen Addict listeners were there checking out the new collection because they'd heard about it on the show. So I also nice. wanted to just thank Pen Addict listeners who let Hugh and Carol know that they heard about it from us. I think that's really great. Uh, talking about pen shows, the next show that Candelaya will attend is the St. Louis Pen Show from June 24th to 26th. This is the first time they are attending the show. And to celebrate, they have an awesome surprise for those that will be attending. We'll be telling you more about this episode on June 15th, so stay tuned. But this is one of these things. Canalea very rarely tell us things in advance. (laughs) They have told us what this is. And I am so excited for the people that are going to be at that show and incredibly jealous for them. So you'll hear more about this uh, in a few weeks' time. Yeah, both of us. Like, we get individual... um, uh, content uh, packages from from Canalea, and this was something I was like, "Did you get the thing that I got?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I got the thing that you got." Yeah, it, like, yeah it's pretty I'm cool. really excited for what this yeah. this will mean for their pen show yeah. uh, there in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, as a reminder, every uh, every purchase uh, from the new Levalani collection, Canalea is also giving back to conservation funds and community programs in Kauai and the North Shore community. So go and see these wonderful products for yourself, including the new Levalani collection at Can. Canaleapenco.com. That's K-A-N-I-L-E-A-P-E-N-C-O.com. Just find the link in the show notes. That's Canaleapenco.com to choose your Aloha today. Our thanks to the Canalea Penco for the support of this show. Mike, I am so excited to talk about these next few topics. Okay. And I, want you, I want you to lead the first one. I feel like I've seen this before. Mm, have you? The- the Montegrappa F1 Speed Limited Edition. Mm-hmm. I've seen the red one before. That's what threw me off. So when I saw this pop up in my feed, I didn't see the red one. Right. Because I thought we'd seen this before. They had the black one, and I think the black one's new. The right? black one so, is new. Yeah, it's the 2022 one. So it's the follow-up. Um, I wonder, do they do one every six years when the regulations change? Is the is the racing well, red model different so, uh, uh, in I style can, from the podium? I give you black? all the answers. I have all the all answers right. for you. Thank the you. F one collaborated with Montegrappa in twenty twenty as part mm-hmm. of the F one seventy. So in twenty twenty season, I don't know how aware gotcha. you are of this. It was uh, yes. the se- it was seventieth anniversary of Formula One. Mm-hmm. So they partnered with Montegrappa and they made a, uh, a like a a Formula One themed pen, carbon fiber, um, red and black and all that kind of stuff. Now yep. this year they have made a new one, uh, which is they call Podium Black, a high gloss mm-hmm. black lacquer finish. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this pen is that they have like an exhaust on the end of it, which is like <laughs> heat treated. So it like. I wonder you know. if they hired Michael Gouperle for that. They could like, have. They contracted they him have. for that. He's a very professional torchbearer. Mm-hmm. But I, I have faith in in Montegrappa that they could they could pull off their own torching because they make some of the wildest most unique pins ever and this is just a classic i think the uh the wheel is my 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 favorite the uh 
the actual in the finial wheel of this. Um, it's just really kind of neat. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, on one hand, I hate everything about I this I hate pen. the way this pen looks <laughs> with a fiery passion. It's so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> on the other hand, it's like, okay, I, I see you, Montegrappa. This is what Montegrappa does the best, right? Yeah. They take They take the premium thing and take it over the top, right? Mm-hmm. It is over the top. Um, and I just wanted to be sure to to uh to share this latest edition. So this is the newest edition. Even though the 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 pen is the same silhouette, um, there are different features in in the the podium black model from from the racing red model. So um it's it's quite the looker. And um you like can it. take that I you wish, can take that every which way you want. I, I want someone <laughs> to get a Formula One license and mm-hmm. make a pen for every team, but they look that seems, good. That seems like an St. Dupont thing. Um, that they could pull it off. They've done s- not really like team branded stuff, but they but they are another one like Montegrappa that they will have the high end licenses. You know, like a star, yeah. they'll pay for like a Star Wars license and do a, a really special high end thing. Because yeah, obviously, like, like that is what I've asked for is unrealistic because mm-hmm, nobody mm-hmm. has the ability to give you the license to every team. Like Formula yeah. One doesn't have that. Like right. Montegrappa's got Formula One. They haven't got right. McLaren and Mercedes and Ferrari right. and like blah, just, blah, 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 right. Yeah, like just the Ferrari license yep. would be outrageous, right? Like, and then you have to yes, you have to get all ten. It would be it would be extreme. But you're also, you know, marketing these pins to a customer that could probably afford it. If you look at the Miami race and the prices of things there, this mm-hmm. the this is this is the marketing. Um, so I appreciate this pin while simultaneously <laughs> disliking literally everything about it. <laughs> totally fine. But yeah, that's uh, that's what Montegrappa does best. So uh, they do some wild stuff. This one, Mike, I'm going to tackle because I'm not sure even you uh, really care to appreciate what's going on here. And this is the Cinderella slipper glass pin from Bungu Box that yeah, I got in my email. So you, you hit the wood. You, you put these links in the show notes and I looked at mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. The words that you have put in the show notes do not match my feeling <laughs> for what this is. So I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I want to be very clear. I have no desire to own a product like this. This is a a high end, ultra premium glass dip nib pen. And the reason why I'm putting this in because you know, listening to Jacob and Cy uh, on uh, Tokyo Inklings podcast, they've talked for. I don't know, over the past year or two that one of the hottest items in Japan were not simply glass dip nib pens, but very specifically made, expensive, custom, unique glass nib pens. And this is, you know, a $200 plus glass dip nib pen. It's stunning. Like this looks like a $200 glass nib dip nib pen, right? It's It looks you know, almost handmade from from start to finish. It's got some really unique features. It has a lot of craftsmanship that went into it. You know, this is not a product I ever have any desire to own by, by any stretch of the imagination. Why this is Cinderella? <sighs> yeah, I guess it's just unique it's kind of. Yeah, so it says it's. I don't know. It's glittery and blue, and you know, I don't it's a magic story. Or you know, it says. It's, 
There was once a girl covered in soot, and as soon as a magical spell was cast on her, she was transformed into the most beautiful green-blue glass slipper. So we have captured this magical story in a glass pen. So, you know, it's, you know, theoretical. Sure, it's like, you know, the story you tell is whatever it is, right? It is, it is. But in collaboration, Mike, which really seals the story, and this is the product I'm the most excited about. This makes sense to me, uh, what they're trying to do here. Like there this, is the Cinderella-ness of this next part. Yep, there is a Cinderella slipper silver ink bottle cap ornament that fits these specific bottles that Bungo Box makes for their sailor inks. I love that it's not actually... You don't actually get the bottle. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just the add-on. It's just the little metal part, the little yeah. crown that goes on top, basically. Yeah, it's this is the storytelling tying everything together, mm-hmm. right? So we have the pen, and it's it's individual, and the pen is telling a story, but you need the ink to to match with that. And there's you know we've had you know different different ink bottles and bung box always kind of collaborating the, you know, a, a product with, you know, a pen and an ink kind of together. This one takes it even further and it is an accessory for your ink bottle. And I think it's beautiful. Like I would never use this. I would never want this. Like it wouldn't be for me, it wouldn't be money well spent. Right. Because I wouldn't like get the joy of seeing that sitting on my desk using my Cinderella a glass pen in the same ink bottle with the glass zipper ornament, but I like this. Like, uh, unlike the Montegrappa before, is like I like this a lot, and I think like in the market that Jacob and Cy were talking about, and the prevalence of this type of product with the glass tip nib pen. I mean, who better than to, to be on the cusp of that than uh, Bunga Box? And I appreciate. Like literally all of this from from the pen uh, all the way down to the uh, to the bottle, the bottle okay. cap, and Fun, I, funny I just think thing it's fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. So the the little cap is like a little crown thing, kind of mm-hmm. looks like a building. It's kind of cute, and it's got a slipper on top, but the slipper's mm-hmm. not glass. Mm, true, true. I didn't think about that, but yeah. you know. Yeah, makes makes sense. I see, I see, I see what you're getting at there. <laughs> I see what you're getting at there. I feel you. Yeah. So. Um. Anyway, it it is it is definitely uh, more of this, a, uh, a monopoly a piece type of uh, person. That's not yeah. me. And Agreed. I'm fine with that, and I don't think everything needs to be for me. So exactly, exactly. Uh, I was just completely taken aback by this yeah. whole thing in in a respect kind of way. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, big big respect for you, Bung Box, for for making this. It's stunning for this customer. They will be. You know, just like we would fawn over certain pens, like this is a thing that people will jump through hoops to mm-hmm. acquire, and to to cap it off with a literal bottle cap. <laughs> I think it's just so smart in the silliest the kind of way. Yep, appreciate the commitment. Related to all things Japanese, uh, Jacob, uh, who I just mentioned with Tokyo Inklings, he followed up on kind of a, a topic that we've. Um, mentioned that he mentioned before so this is just a big big circle of friends here um, about the the different colors of the pilot custom 912 which is the drum that i've banged for years like hey give pilot give me more 912 options i think this is your platform pin and i think it should be available in more than just black um, and rhodium trim so they came out, or we got the news i don't know really not that long ago earlier this year that there was gonna you know some different barrel colors Uh, Some translucent blue, green, and red barrel colors for the Pilot 912. 
And the interesting thing about those is they only came with basic nib options. And one of the reasons I want the 912 to to continue to grow and expand um, and gain in popularity is because they actually have quite a few of, you know, really interesting nib options, you know, outside of just like a fine, a medium, you know, or or abroad, you know, the, the 912 fits pilots Falcon nib and it fits the stub nib, which is not a normal thing that they Mm -hmm. sell. And it fits all of these different kinds of nibs. And it looks like for this model, the pilot Neo classic 912 in blue, you can get how many nibs is this? 15, one 15. Thank you. (laughs) 15 different nib choices for this pen. And I'm like, yes, like, is this really happening, right? Again, like, this is not the pen for me, but it gives me hope that one day I'm going to see an expansion of the 912 lineup to retailers, not specialty shops or, you know, one-off limited editions. That Pilot will expand the 912 lineup universally, not only with interesting barrel colors, but the availability of 15 different nib choices in a single pin platform and still be in a, at an awesome price point, like under $300. Like the Pilot 912 is just a classic great value pin. Like it's by no means inexpensive, but for what it is and what you get, like I think it's fairly priced and a good deal. And I just feel that this is the model that I want to see pilot lean into the most and they've done it here. And this link we'll share in the show notes that uh, Jacob and CY shared on um, Tokyo Inklings is to a company, uh, Pinto note that will ship to the U S. So if this is something that you're interested in, like I I'm, I'm willing to hold off for a while and see what continues to happen here as pilot expands, hopefully expands this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to bet on them doing more. So I'm going to wait on this, but I absolutely I'm I'm through the moon with this decision by Pilot to to do this for this model of the well, 912. So through the moon, yeah, that was like, a couple of is... mixed metaphors there, right? You're okay, over so the moon and over the, moon, the roof, through the roof. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's how excited I am, Mike. Over I can't the roof, even metaphor. through the moon. <laughs> I cannot even metaphor correctly. That's how excited I am. So, um, and uh, I I'm assuming you just share my excitement. So. I wish No 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 I wished I understood what all of these meant. Yeah. Right? That's chart. my issue. There's a chart. There's a yes, but the chart is an image, so I can't try and <laughs> translate know. the I chart. I can yeah. translate all of the text like so I can get like rough translations of the mm-hmm. names of the nibs, right? Right. But I don't act I don't actually know what it means. So like right. I can get a translation that tells me that the MS nib is music or the C mm-hmm. is special bold or what about WA which is translated as Waverly right like mm-hmm. i don't know what that means you know so yeah it's like yeah yeah you'd have to go you know i'd have to go do some further. some additional work so, you know like Waverly is a little bit of a turned up nib yeah SU which is good is all of this is good stub. i just don't like the 912 i agree i uh, agree i i want to see this on a on a different on a different pen from them. Yep. You know? Yep, I'm with you. But uh, I, I'm ecstatic, and I, I just hope this is, again, you know, something that is the beginning of a bigger, longer-term 
trend with the 912 because I have been beating that drum forever. Yeah. All right. Next up, the Parker Penman Sapphire Mike is one of the most famous inks in fountain pen lore. It was a ink made by Parker, I want to say early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. That was a color that quickly became everyone's favorite right up until it destroyed their pens. So there has always been, it's always been held up as one of the greatest inks ever made, except for that part, the destruction part, right? Everyone liked the color and like the the depth of the ink, the the shading of the ink, everything about that ink was kind of everyone's favorite blue. And ever since that ink went away, two things happened. One, people hoarded that ink and started charging ultra premium prices for it, you know, because it was rare and sought after now. And two, companies have tried to replicate that. What if I told you the person who made the original Parker Penman Sapphire is now making their own hmm. copycat inks that look similar, behave similar, similar, but won't destroy your pens. And that is what the guest post I had on the Pen Addict on Monday uh, by our friend Michael Harris. Michael, if you didn't put two and two together, Michael is one of the two uh, people behind the Pen Addict annual survey, along with Catherine Palmasano. This is uh, the the other half of that glorious uh, pairing to mm-hmm. get us our survey data. So Michael wrote this guest post uh, because he has interviewed the the chemist behind this and gone through all of the Parker original Parker Penman inks and the new Scribe or new-ish Scribe inks that were designed to match. And I, this, I know this isn't necessarily up your alley, nor is it up mine, to be perfectly honest. But I think the idea behind this, that we have someone involved with one of the most famous fountain pen inks ever, trying to duplicate that in a more healthy fashion um, and doing it on their own, I think is pretty neat. And I wanted to make sure that people share, people saw this article and shared it because I think it's just kind of the cool stuff that we can get in this community to where we have this creativity and this desire to to make something that everyone loved but is no longer available. And uh, I, I thought Michael uh, did a really, really great job, so I wanted to give him a, a special shout-out for this. And this is something that uh, I think a lot of people have enjoyed, and I wanted uh, you and everyone else listening to enjoy it as well. It's good to know it's out there. Yeah. So I knew of this. I knew of these Scribe inks. I didn't know that they had made try to make a match for all of the Penman series that happened. So it's Pir- Parker Penman Sapphire is kind of like this one standalone standout ink, but there was actually a lineup of, I think, eight inks. Um, but this is, that's one of those things where 90% of the, <laughs> of the volume was probably the blue and then 10% comprised like the seven other colors, right? It was the, the Parker Penman Sapphire was the entirety of this ink lineup, but there is a, a whole range of inks they look very, very similar to the originals, um, as you would hope they would, with the original chemists being involved and in trying to work on making a more sustainable, uh, less damaging ink uh, that is still just as beautiful as the original. So I thought that was a great um, a great post, and I wanted to uh, make sure to share it and give uh, Michael a shout-out, and a thanks for doing that, because I learned a lot just from, from reading and uh, posting that. 
This episode is brought to you by Pen Chalet. They sell the products you're looking for from the brands you love. Whether you're looking for an amazing rollerball, a perfect new fountain pen, maybe you want a mechanical pencil, maybe you want a carrying case or a pen holder, maybe you want some refills, some fountain pen converters, all the accessories that you're looking for are over at Pen Chalet. They're always adding new styles of pens and new products. Every single month you'll find new things being added, so you got to keep your eye on it because also they're running special discounts. Every couple of weeks you're going to find closed-out specials and new deals over at Pen Chalet, but you get even more special, better ones for being a pen addict listener. But before I tell you about those, let me tell you about their wonderful pricing and guarantees. Pen Chalet has low prices on high quality pens and offers a 100% satisfaction guarantee for their products. They want you to be happy. They sell internationally with great shipping rates, but if you're in the US, they do free shipping on orders of over $50, which surely is easy to hit. Go to penchalet.com, that's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, Click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PenAddict for this week's special offer and to get the code that you need to save 10% on anything at any time over at Penchalet. Now, Brad, Ron told me he was putting some special stuff up this time. Yeah, can I, Can I? before we get to that, can I tell you about the Esterbrook Cosmic Wine SD oh that I just God. happened to see? Yes, I just <laughs> saw it too. I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen that What before. are you? <laughs> yeah, that caught yeah. my eye too. Mike, you could say I'm through the moon on that one too. I, it, I mean, what I'll say genuinely reminds mm-hmm. me of my uh, uh, the Galaxy 3776 that I have. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's a really, it's a really great look. That All is right. a stunning <laughs> pen for a fantastic <laughs> price. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen that before. So what Ron snuck in here, which I think I see what he did here. He's got some sneaky Pelican stuff in here yeah, that you shouldn't be able about. to. That you shouldn't be able to. Uh, to this is not your normal Pelican sale, right? So this mm-hmm. is your Pelican Special Edition Golden Barrel. This is your Pelican uh, Suveron Black with Red Stripes. This is like your elite tier one Pelican stuff um, that you want to that you want to check out. You want to get in here, browse around this page. And, you know, aside from, you know, the great fountain pens like these Pelicans, the, the always popular for me, Karen Dash 849 Claim Your Style ballpoints in there. Mike, um, you know, there's just some really, really cool stuff. Um, as you scroll down, there's a Retro 51 in there, which you rarely see happening. There's a, even a set of uh, Pelican Rollerballs, which I have not noticed before. So this is a great, great lineup uh, featuring several really, really interesting and neat Pelican pens. So thank you, Ron, for uh, hooking us up, supporting this podcast, and uh, taking taking care of our listeners. I appreciate it. So that's penchalet.com. Click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password penaddict. Our thanks to Penchalet for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. Are we actually going to answer some Ask TPA? We're going to do a couple, yeah. <laughs> and this <laughs> was mainly what... because I kind of lost track of the show. We should have done another ad about 15 minutes ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are. So we're going to finish out with some Ask TPA today. All right, let's do it. Fibber asks, aside from Platinum's Capsule Tech, are there other capsule technologies for fountain pens? I noticed that the Bic grip roller had an inner cap to seal the rollerball vents for the outer cap. I don't know of anything offhand outside of anyone trying to mimic Platinum's technology, right? Other companies have put these little kind of cup and seal mechanisms in there. I, I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but I've definitely used pens to wear. They will do it not as nice as Platinum has done it and try to have this insert when you put the pen into the cap 
tightens against the um, the seal of the cap to the barrel to, you know, help seal off the nib from airflow. I don't know that any of them are special enough or interesting enough that beat what Platinum's done. Um, I'd be interested to know, um, you know, what other other people think. You know, at one point, probably two years ago, Mike, I don't know if you recall this, there was a Kickstarter where you could have uh, liquid humidity in the cap uh, created. Do you remember this conversation? Oh there was a God, cap with yeah. actual liquid in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, like, I understand the idea. Yeah. But I don't understand the desire for people to want it. Like, I don't understand the 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 marketability marketability for that product. Right? Is like I I get I get what you're saying that this might technically work. I also do not want this anywhere near my fountain pen nip, <laughs> right? I just mm-hmm. do not want this. So um, that was interesting. I don't think it was necessarily useful or compelling uh, decision-making. So um, outside of that, just from like a cap seal technology, um, Platinum obviously clearly does it very, very well. They stand, uh, they, they put that at the forefront of a lot of their marketing for good reason. And I can't think of anyone else who hasn't, who has done anything interesting. And if they have, they've done it kind of as an afterthought. Like, ah, eh, this might work. Like, if you jam this cap thing in there and you seal it off, and like that's gonna be good. But they're not gonna, they're not gonna lead their marketing with this kind of like afterthought platinum copycat deal that uh, is probably the only thing I've seen before. And I guess you can't go too heavy on it because then you're clearly copying Platinum's, which I'm right. sure patented technology. Yeah, so the the key that plat- what Platinum has solved that the other implementations of this that I've seen haven't is the small size of it. It does not get in the way at all. It's barely noticeable. And the other ones I've, that I've seen are very kind of clunky um, type of type of mechanisms in the in the cap that look like outliers where platinum platinums is completely built in almost seamlessly yeah it's got the little spring in it i can see yep. on my yep. 3776 yep it's, it's not really i mean people people will argue that that's like visually poor right with the translucent pin and the spring in the top and like i fair fair enough but, but no one else is doing that as from well a usability perspective, it, the the, the platinums really do make a difference. Like right. they're they're good to go way more yep. than my other pens are. So it's exactly. a good technology. Exactly. And Chris asks, have you ever figured out how to wipe a nib without smearing ink between the tines? I love this question from Chris. I think it's impossible. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just by Nor the nature sh- of how it the mm-hmm. technology works, right? Like Yeah. Nor should you attempt to do it. And I'm going to tell Chris something that I think for most things is bad advice. But for this one, I think it's good advice. And it's just to get over it. <laughs> you yeah, have you to, can't worry about there being ink yeah, on the nib. Like, like if you've if something's happened and it's like, well, as you say, it burped, maybe you've got like a drop. Right. Get that yep. off there. But this, you're just yep. going to smear the ink on the nib. Like, there's yep. no way around it. Like, this is just how it's yeah. how it lives. You know. I think for life advice, telling someone to get over anything is terrible advice. I had to learn to get over having ink on my tines and just living with it and not and stop making it worse by using a paper towel or using a microfiber cloth or trying to wash it. Because it's even if you do the most amazing job, 
give it five minutes of usage. Yeah, and or then cap, like cap the pen again. It's coming. Use back. a paper towel, and then you get some fibers in the nib, yeah. and then you're dealing with yep. a whole other issue. It's not worth the aggravation. It's just it, not it's, worth it. Yep. So that's one of the things I learned. A few things back when I was a new fountain pen user, I had to get over. Mm-hmm. That was number one. Is why is there ink here? You know, whether it was on the tines or with a translucent barrel pen and you put an ink cartridge in and you see it kind of go through the feed system is like, why is all this ink inside my pen? Well, it's supposed to be there. And um, then also getting ink on my fingers, like all of those things I had to get over and realize that that is part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And there is no way to fix like Mm -hmm. getting the ink off, uh, off the nib or between the tines without just making it worse or just you know pushing pushing the rock up the hill right it's 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 coming back down like uh, eventually so you just have to learn to love it and uh enjoy the beautiful color ink on the outside of your nib because sometimes it's going to be there uh if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future show just send out a tweet with the hashtag rstpa use question mark rstpa in the relay fm members discord or you can send them via email to hello at penaddict.com in two weeks' time, we're going to have an episode where we're going to aim to just do um, RSTPA. But because of some scheduling stuff, we are recording that one next week. We're recording two episodes. So what I'm saying is if you have a question, send it in before next week's episode so it could be included in the one in two weeks' time. Yeah, we have right? five pages of RSTPA that I'm still, looking at right now. No, I'm saying for me is, we're long overdue getting this yeah. done, and we can do more the if problem, we're doing a dedicated show. The problem is, and the reason that a lot of these haven't been answered, is a lot of the questions we have are really long, yeah. really long. Yeah. So they kind of need a dedicated time. But similarly, though, I would like some shorter questions to also go into mm-hmm. the episode too, so it's not just like... Yep. me talking constantly for 20 minutes and then you giving a one minute answer and then 20 minutes of me talking again you know what i mean yep so if you have questions for us you want to get them in before next wednesday mm-hmm. which i mean of course time is relative we are talking about the 25th sure. of may in the year Thank 2022 you. you can always send them in though we're we'll always answer them but just absolutely from a, you know just a relative thing because there will be people listening to this in t- i bet 2032 and they're gonna be <laughs> like oh no by next week <laughs> or or hey it's been 10 years they just got to my question that's more <laughs> <likely>. <laughs> that's more likely <laughs> that is more likely if you want to find brad online in the meantime go to at dowdy is on twitter at pen addict on instagram uh, you can find brad streaming live on twitch over at twitch.tv slash pen addict three times a week you can find brad at penaddict.com and spokedesign.com i'm at i mike i m y k e and you can find what stuff that i'm working on over at cortex brand com, and you can also find this show as part of Relay FM, where we have a ton of wonderful shows for you to check out. Shows about creativity and technology, and uh, we say creativity, technology, obsessiveness. Is that a thing? The three um, words? Mm, technology? Sure. No, it's creativity, curiosity, and obsessiveness. I think that's it. So, it's like you know, on like our challenge coin, we have oh, like okay, three. Yeah things and it, that mm-hmm. it's not technology it's creativity curiosity obsessive they're like <laughs> if the, you keep this up you're going to be through the moon so my challenge coin going. kate's on the other desk that's the problem so my, <laughs> uh, my challenge coin's over there 
Uh, I'm trying to find... Real FM is an independent podcast network <laughs> for people who are creative, curious, and maybe even a little obsessive, just like its hosts. That's it. Creativity, Creative curiosity, curiosity, obsessive. obsessive. That's, that's the other three. Anyway, uh, thanks so much to Candelaya Penko and Penchelaya for the support of this episode. Thank you for listening. Go check out our members episode, reader.fm slash membership, as a piece of follow-up. Uh, Lisa suggested that you were right and I was wrong. Until next mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. say goodbye, Brad. <laughs> goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.